Hi, this is New York Vinny of Drive Time Radio. I'd like to encourage you to log on to 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com right now and fill out the 2023 KKNW Listener Survey. Now, your responses will help this station better tailor itself to your needs. As an incentive, when you fill out the survey, you have a chance to win a round-trip passage for two on the Victoria Clipper to Victoria, B.C., plus a $100 gift certificate to a famous Dave's restaurant. So log on to 1150kknw.com for your chance to win. Thank you for all of your past listenership and helping us improve the station. Great prizes might be yours, but you must fill out the survey. One lucky person's name will be drawn on April 23rd. So log on to 1150kknw.com now and fill out the survey. Complete contest rules can be found at 1150kknw.com. So log on for all of the details. Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. A very good morning to you. Oh, yes, a very, very good Saturday morning. It is drive time radio here in the city of Seattle. Oh, oh let's, let's shed some light on the subject here this morning. Is You know, I've always noticed that I look better with a little bit of light. Matter of fact, many people have said that about me. Vinny, I got to tell you something. You look better the more light you have. The more light you have, the better you look. So... Here I am, lit up and happy and just uh, jumping up and down to be here with you this Saturday morning. As you can hear, I don't know if you can hear this, the birds are chirping. No sun, but the birds are chirping. So a sure sign of spring, baseball season is back. <laughs> oh, man. I got to tell you. I was uh, I was missing baseball season, and you know it just always feels better when baseball is around. It always feels better when uh, you know just when I don't know. It seems like the the things you count on in life are there that you can find them. That these little benchmarks that you have in your personal world, you know, you you open up and. Uh, you know, 7 o'clock tonight, Mariners game, right? 4.30, you're going to watch the Mets on uh, on uh, uh, MLB.com. And by the way, uh, you know, I don't usually thank corporate people, except if they pay me money to thank them. But I will in this case, because I am just uh, over the moon that for the second year in a row, uh, with my T-Mobile subscription, I get MLB TV. Uh, they afford, they allow me, especially if you're a you know a senior citizen like me, to um, to watch your team out of market team. So I get to watch uh, as many Met games as they'll put on, which for me, and as many Giants and A's games, because I spent a lot of time down in the Bay Area, love those teams too, and even catch some Pirate games, which of course, as you know, I spent 10 years back in, in Pittsburgh. So, or any team, <clears throat> follow any player, excuse me, uh, that I want. So it's a great thing, and you can, 
even use it, uh, you know, I use it, I put it on a, on a cell phone in the car and just listen to it so I can listen to, to any game that I want to listen to, except the Mariners. But it was and is uh, just a, uh, you know, it's a great time of year. Uh, you, you know, you, you can get out of the house more. It's still cold here. I mean, I don't, you know, it's not going to warm up for another month yet. But uh, the other good thing is, is that uh, the car world is waking up as well. And that, to me, is always a beautiful thing. That, to me, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, start to go out and see some of the things that are happening in the car world. Now, the Shoreline people, Shoreline Cars and Coffee, they're there all year. They're, you know, they're out. I mean, I think the only time they miss is in the snow. So uh, Ryan and all the people that go down to to the Shoreline Cars and Coffee, as a matter of fact, they're down there right now. Um, they're out and they're hanging out and they're happy. And uh, even though it's cold, I mean, I think they had like 80 cars show up last week. So if you want to go out and see something and really um, kind of get into a little bit of, you know, the car culture around uh, the Puget Sound, it's a perfect place to start. And what I like is, about the shoreline is it's, excuse me, sometimes you go to car shows, you go to cars and coffees, things like that. And for you you that might not know what cars and coffee is, uh, in most cities and towns these days, um, the older people, but young people too, Uh, created many years ago this thing called Cars and Coffee, where they pick a coffee shop, and everybody goes there on a Saturday morning. They park outside, and uh, they show off their cars. It's like the the modern-day version of the drive-in. You know, you remember the drive-in when people used to, uh, you know, the drive-in hamburger joint, I should say. Not the drive-in movie, but the drive-in hamburger joint, where people would go and they would, take their cars and, you know, everybody would hang out in the parking lot. Well, now, instead of doing it on Saturday night, because most of the people that own these cars these days, I shouldn't say that, can't stay up on Saturday night, but (laughs) yours yours truly. Um, But, you know, you go and and you check out a bunch of really cool cars that people have put so much effort into. And Something that people haven't put a lot of effort into. Uh, there's all kinds of rolling stock at these things. And it's really uh, an experience to, to go and look. And people are friendly and they talk to you about their cars. They're very, very interested uh, in talking to people about their cars. After all, they spent all winter in their garage building this thing, improving it, making it uh, a better car. Uh, or restoring it back to its showroom condition. Now, not all cars are like that. I mean, you see some hoopties down there, too. You know, I mean, sometimes you just see, you just see cars with the fenders falling off. But everybody that, that goes down there, for the most part, 
and you know, you can never say everybody anymore because there are, you know, we we've taken that piece of our language away because now we have to recognize the individual. So we would have to say everybody except possibly one grumpy person. That would be, you know, because if I said everybody, you'd go down there and you'd look at somebody's car and they'd be grumpy at you. You'd call me up next week and say, Vinny, <laughs> you told me everybody was friendly. And this one guy yelled at me because I spilled a Coke on his fender. Well, if you spill a Coke on my fender, I might do some yelling too. Believe you me. That stuff. You know, I drink Coke. Love Coke. But. It's amazing that I do, considering <clears throat> that I know what it does when you drop it on a fender. You ever drop Coke on a fender of a car and not clean it up? Woo! That's something you don't want to see if you can help it. Anyway, uh, it is getting a little cold out. I had to close the door. Sorry. But anyway, the, the, the point of the story is is you have these places where people gather and you can go and you can ask them about their cause, talk to them about their cause. And even if you're just casually interested, even if you're somebody who's just a, a casual observer of the automotive scene, you can go down there, you can learn something, uh, you can just admire the machinery. And I have to tell you, I never thought that I would say these words, but it, we don't know how long, how much longer this um, sport, this hobby is going to last. Uh, the price of these cars are going up, the parts are going up, and they're becoming rarer. Uh not the cars necessarily. There's probably more collector cars out there today than there ever have been because people have realized the value of recycling them and making them, you know, the kids that used to build models when they were, you know, eight, nine, and 10 years old now go out and buy cars and they build actual cars. So it's really when you come down to it, it's, it's a sport that I think, it, or a, a hobby, I should say, that at some point is going to, if not die, be severely restricted, which I think is sad. Um, you know, how long will it be until you'll have to have a special permit to drive a gasoline car? I can see a day where that'll happen. I can see a day, I, I don't think I'll be here for it, but Nathan might. There might be a day when Nathan will have a uh, an old Mazda RX-7 that he, you know, he, he, he got for a, a song and a dance somewhere, and he's crafted it in his garage. And he's, you know, um, Nathan and his five kids have worked on it and made it pristine, beautiful, the rotary engine and uh and everything, you know, it's been a weekend project, and he'll want to take it down to uh, the local cars and coffee to continue the tradition. 
and uh, the, the local government will say, well, that's a gasoline-powered vehicle. And I'm sorry, but you either have to uh, get rid of that, electrify it, or pay a high price to drive it, pay us a tax to drive it. I'm not saying that that's true yet, but in my um, futuristic vision, which sometimes needs glasses, I can see that happening. I can see a day where you will, um, you know, you, you will actually have to be able to apply for and get not only license plates, but if you have a gasoline vehicle, that emits carbons, uh, a special permit, and maybe they'll restrict how many vehicles they will allow to have those, um, emit those carbons into the air uh, because they want to save the planet. You know, Yeah, it's funny because as I say it, I think about the world that that would be. And it is kind of scary. It is. But you hope that there'll always be space for enough people, enough ability for people to uh, rise up and talk to their Congress people and talk to their. legislators, local legislators to say, we're not putting that much carbon into the air. Please allow us to have our carbon engine cars. You're not making any new ones. The old ones are being shot off into space uh, to go to another planet to, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with all of these. Do you ever wonder that, Nathan? Do you ever, do you ever drive down the street and you look at all the cars and the cars that are parked? And everything that's uh, that that's going on, and you, you you ever ask yourself, what in the world are we gonna do with all of this stuff? Where is this all gonna go? I do all the time, and that's something I was just thinking about right now: is the used car market. I mean, with electric vehicles. Is there going to be, I mean, right now there is because there's electric vehicles that are still pretty fresh, but how is the used car market going to be with electric vehicles? You know, you run that battery until it's getting close to end of life and the cost of a new vehicle is about the same as the price of replacing the entire battery in your car right now, at least. Yeah. So, well, like, what, they're, uh, what are I, they going to do with all those used electric vehicles? Are they going to recycle them? Are they going to, like, melt them down and build a new one? Well, I What's think going that, on here? from what I've seen, you know, obviously, for years and years and years, we didn't recycle anything around cars. We buried them. We put them into, you know, squares, crushed them into squares mm-hmm. and put them in barrier reefs and all this other kind of stuff that uh, built whatever you could build with them. But I think in the future, one of the things that I've been impressed with in what I've seen from automakers is, number one, they use more and more recyclable materials. Uh, 
eight cars. So there, so like the Ford Maverick that I drove, I don't know, six months ago that I drive that has the, the whole interior is made out of recyclable materials. Hmm. Uh, the seats, the, the dash stuff. Um, I, I think it's like 90% recyclable. So that's a good thing. The metal is always recyclable. You can always turn it into, melt it down, turn it into something else to steal. Uh, the problem is, of course, that we're not building cars with a lot of steel these days. Um, the batteries, I think that that is a huge, huge question. But also, there are several companies <clears throat> that are working on recycling the batteries because the batteries are so expensive and so massive that the less of them that they can make, obviously, the better for the earth it's going to be. I think that's that's my opinion. I don't I have no science to back that up. But from what I've read and what I've seen and what I've heard at different um, seminars that I've gone to and, and different uh, executives that I've spoken to is that the battery recycling business is really going to take off in the mm. uh, next, you know, five to 10 years. So that when these batteries get to their lives, end of their lives, you'll take it out, you'll send it to a recycler, you'll get another battery, and they'll put it back in. Hmm. Or they'll use those batteries in new cars. And I think that's obviously the way they got to go because I, I, you couldn't, I don't know that you could sustain the earth with 50 million batteries like that you know, sitting in a pile somewhere in, I don't know, wherever, you know, somewhere in the desert. I don't think that'd be a good idea. Um, the good thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that the batteries that they are using and the materials they're using for the batteries are for the most part recyclable. Maybe parts of the cases aren't, but all the stuff that they use to build the batteries, the materials are valuable enough that when they take these batteries apart, when they reach the end of their life and they take them apart, they're developing ways to be able to reuse them. And what that will probably mean is less, um, having to take less material out of the earth to build new batteries and to, uh, you know, be able to have a place to put the materials that are there. Now, again, it's a, it's a bit of a, a fit, not a fantasy world, but it's a bit of a developing world at the moment because nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. As it that. ever is. Yeah, nobody really knows. But... I think the best educated minds about these situations, uh, and again, and I've attended a number of seminars about what, because if I thought that this was going to be an environmental disaster, I would, I would tell people, don't buy an electric car. You're just buying something that's going to, you know, it's going to hurt people. And we don't want to see that happen. Obviously we want guys like me, want to leave 
a world. I mean, we screwed everything else up. We'd like to at least leave you a world that you can live in while you're scared about whether it's going to blow up or not. Uh, you know, it's, um, but it's something that I know the companies are working on and why, because there's money in it. Uh, it's like anything else. There's, there's, there'll be money in recycling those batteries, those batteries in your car, your electric car will be worth money when they run out. People will buy them from you so that they can be recycled and go to, as a matter of fact, the way they build some of these cars, the battery will probably be worth more. Just as, um, you know, when you get a car that gets into an accident, uh, you know, you take it to a junkyard, when your salvage yard, and they take the motor out of it. They take the, this out of that out and put it on another car. Uh, I think that's where the automotive recycling business is going. You know, the old junkyards that you used to, I used to play in when I were a kid, when I was a kid, it won't be anymore. When I'm you know, just kind of contemplating right now or something going through my head is right now, you know, we deal with the catalytic converter thefts because they found out that they can produce precious metals inside of them. What if the battery value goes up really high? Are people going to try to take batteries and sell them out of automotives? Yeah, until one falls on somebody and crushes them. <laughs> they are heavy. What? I said they are heavy. Yeah, see, the, the catalytic converter thing is you have two things that work in a thief's favor. Number one, it's easily accessible. It's in a prime place where you can get under there with a sawzall. <laughs> two minutes, you can have it off of the car and you can be gone. And most catalytic converters don't have serial numbers on them. Uh, they're not embossed with the, um, you know, there's no way to check where it came from. I mean, the people that are buying them know that they're stolen, but they can't, you know, tell for sure. There's no proof. There's no proof. So it's a perfect item. It's like stealing, you know, in the old days uh, when your kid used to steal batteries out of cars. And there was a guy at the battery shop would give you, you know, $2 a battery. Or if you were really daring, you'd steal tires. Because there was a guy at the tire shop to give you 5 bucks a tire if you brought him good tires. So, um, same thing with catalytic converters. All you need is a sawzall and to be skinny. Now, I could never, you could be a perfect catalytic converter thief. Me, not so much. You know, I, I, I couldn't slide under the car unless it was a jacked up truck, which many don't have catalytic converters. With batteries, it's, it's not just a matter of three bolts and they're out four bolts and they're out. You gotta, you're going to have to work on a car to take a battery out. Chances are there's go, uh, it, under the car there's going to be a, 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 um, a protective plate between the battery and the ground so that if something, if you hit something on the ground, it's not going to go up into the battery. Uh, there's, you know, most of those batteries are built uh, into the chassis of the car. Is part of the chassis of the car. So maybe 
you'll have a situation where somebody shows up with a tow truck and tows the car away and takes the battery out of it like that. But as far as the common thief who, uh, the, the, the junkie, the drug addict, uh, the, the, the person who decides that uh, I'm going to make uh, a couple of quick bucks by stealing some catalytic converters uh, out of people's cars over on 289th Street. Um, I don't think they're going to be going in. Plus, you got then you got to carry them. So now you got to, you know, you can take a catalytic converter and put it in a shopping bag, <laughs> get on the bus and go to where you're going to sell it. I don't foresee people carrying one of those big batteries. Well, my grandfather always said, all locks do is keep honest people honest. So, yeah, you know, I mean, they're going to eventually find something that'll be to their benefit of being able to get their hands on something like that. Yes, yes. There will be, there will undoubtedly be a way to do it. There will undoubtedly be people that will, you know, pick up a car steal it. But also, the other thing about the technology, though, is will a battery, you know, will the battery work if it's not in the car that, because everything now runs through computer chips. So will they create a system, and I would have to think that they would, create a system when you take a battery out of a car that it doesn't work in any other car. Now, that solves half the problem because that means that the black market for replacement batteries may not be there. Uh, The material in the battery, that'll be a different story because if you break the uh, material down, then the chips, you know, become ineffective. But it's going to be fascinating... I, we should probably do do a show on it and try to get somebody uh, that will talk about uh, some of the security stuff that'll go on around batteries and, and around uh, electric cars because it's it's pretty amazing stuff, the technology that I've seen and I've driven so far. I mean, I've driven cars where you just put your finger on the door and the car starts, the door opens, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, eye recognition is already in certain cars where you can just look up, you know, you look into the, 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 the thing, looks at your eye, and starts the car from your retina. Mm. So, I mean, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on too because cars are going to cost so much money that, I mean, a car now costs... The average transaction price on cars nowadays is $50,000 for a new car. Well, you're also including all those high-end vehicles, too. Right. But the manufacturers aren't aren't pushing the low-end vehicles anymore. No. Well, there's only a few manufacturers now. I mean, you go to a Chevy dealer, a Ford dealer, a Stellantis dealer, can you buy a car? And if you buy, if you want to buy a car these days, you virtually have to buy 
a Toyota, and their their prices are going up. You can't find a $20,000 Corolla anymore. There's one out there advertised, but try and find one. Uh, dealer markups and destination fees and everything. Yeah, MSRP is, but that's when it's leaving the factory. Yeah, that's, uh, you know. Um, so there's going to be a large market for people who can't afford to buy a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar car. I mean, most of these cars I drive when when I first started driving these cars, there were there were and it's matter of fact, it's it'll be coming up on thirty years. Uh this past week was my thirtieth year um uh, anniversary in Seattle. And there was a ton of cars that you could recommend to people. People would come up to you and say, and say hey, you drive all these cars. Uh, I got a small family. I need a commuter car for my kid to go to Wazoo and back or, you know, or down to Portland and back or whatever. What's a good car? And you could rattle off 20 cars. That would be boom, 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 boom. Now, you know, you're... You're probably starting with Kia and ended up with Hyundai. Um, you know, American, there's just not a lot of cheap, good American cars at all. And even the Japanese have raised, they, they, they don't want that market anymore. There's not a lot of money in it for them. And that's something that's uh, going to allow companies to, uh, you know, some companies who are going to build a better small car to thrive and to be able to say, okay, um, you know, there are a number of people who need a $25,000 car or a $30,000 car. And we're going to service those people. So that's what, uh, that is what, you're up against, and, and I think the car buying public is going to be up against. That's why used cars are so expensive right now. Because many people, unfortunately, can't get um, access to um, cheap new cars. Because all of these different um, manufacturers are, you know, going out and buying and, and, and making cars that have higher ends on them. They can make more money on it, have higher profit margins. And so it leaves the little person, it leaves the person who wants cheap, economical $30,000 transportation in a new car with all the safety features kind of out in the cold right now. I mean, you think about it. How many cars are out there that you can go and buy at a, uh, at a $30,000 price point? Not a lot. And again, as I say, that's where companies like uh, uh, Kia and Hyundai are going to um, really, really um, 
dominate the market. They're going to, you know, because not everybody wants to drive a damn pickup truck. Now, I love pickup trucks. I drove pickup trucks way before it was popular to drive a pickup truck. I drove a pickup truck when I lived in New York City. I always loved pickup trucks. But not everybody wants to buy a pickup truck. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Nathan asked me the magic question. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? What am I driving this week? Nathan, I'm glad you asked because I, I was sitting here talking and thinking, Nathan ought to ask me the question. Uh, this week I'm driving a 2023 Kia Nero SX Touring. Uh, this is a fantastic little vehicle. You know, I know the Kia has uh, has had problems with certain things that they've had to recall. I know that they're, um, there's just a few things in their cars that, as with any car, when you have a, a complex mechanical machine, you get recalls. But when it comes to things like and you, and you should always heed the recalls. You should always make sure that you're registered for recall. So when a car does get recalled for a safety thing, that you're aware of it and you get it taken care of. But here's a car. It's a Kia Nero SX Touring. Now, this is close to the top end of the Nero line, which is a pretty darn good car. You know, a couple of people that drive Nero's on a daily basis and they love them. And this is uh, a version. It's a hybrid. It's a four-cylinder engine with a hybrid electric motor, six-speed dual-clutch automatic transmission, so it doesn't have the CVT. Has all the safety stuff in it. Uh, Forward collision avoidance, blind spot, rear cross, uh, safe exit warning, smart cruise control with stop and go, parking distance warning, and highway driving assist. And I got to tell you, I love the highway driving assist. Uh, I've fallen in love with these things. And I love driving. Don't get me wrong. I love to grip the wheel and and have fun with that car, you know, move it around. But when you're going on a, on a long trip, when you're taking a uh, – you know, going across country. It is nice to be able to kind of not take your eyes off the road because you always should have your eyes on the road. But to, uh, you know, to, to stay in your lane, to stay where you're supposed to be, to not wander over, to if you do start to fall asleep, be able to have a car that will keep you in your lane, wake you up, and move you to safety. How many lives will be saved? Well, it's Kia. The Kia won't, won't move you to safety, but it will if it feels that you're not touching the wheel while the highway driving assist is on. It will blare at you. It will bing, 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 bing. And so uh, this car has that. It has a large touch screen. It has all the kind of things that you have become used to now 
great seating material. It's roomy. It has a sunroof. It has a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty, a 10-year, 100,000-mile battery warranty, and a 5-year, 60,000-mile limited basic warranty. So pretty much anything goes wrong with this car in five years, Kia is going to fix it. If anything goes wrong with the car in 10 years in the drivetrain or the battery, they're going to fix it. Stick a price on this car. This is, a, 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 a as I say, it's a midsize uh, car that is really uh, the thing that's most impressive about this car is the space inside the car. This car, for as small as it is, has a ton of space inside of it, and <clears throat> it is one of the easier cars. And you know that I'm a guy, I'm a big guy. There's no getting around that. No getting around that. I'm a big guy. And it's one of the easiest cars to get into and get out of. If you got them old bones, you don't have to scrunch to get into this car. It's a very, very easy get in, get out type of car. Uh, and I think that for certain classes of people, for certain people, that, that becomes an important factor when you're talking about cars. Um, squeezing into a car, you know, there's some cars that you get into and you got to put your head this way and you got to move your butt in the, the right way and you got to squiggle in and squiggle out. You know, that's all right when you're 40 years old, but, you know, when you start to get looking at the, uh, at 70 or, uh, you know, 65, maybe you don't want to squiggle as much. Maybe you can't squiggle as much. And that's always a drag. When you can't squiggle anymore, it's a realization in life. <laughs> when you lose your squiggle, let me tell you something. But the, the Nero really does a nice job in giving you access into the car and out of the car. Uh, the car runs uh, MSRP is 36435 Again, we're looking at a car that hits $40,000, an economy car that hits 40, 40 grand by the time you're out the door with taxes. Now, the 36 includes the uh, freight and handling and all of that. MSRP is 35, but I always, when I give you the prices, I give it to you with the, the destination charges and stuff like that on it as well. So it is, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a sharp car. Not, I mean, I don't think there's any options on this car. I mean, 34,790 is what it is out the door with all of the features. And it's at the high end. I mean, if you wanted to buy a Nero for less money, you could without some of the, uh, some of the driver assist technology, I guess. But again, you got everything in this thing. It's got a Harman Kardon audio system, uh, the smart key, uh, great seating material, and it's got racing stripes. <laughs> it's got a racing stripe on the side. You can't. You gotta love it. 
You got to love it. You got to be 70 years old. You're going to be driving a car with a racing stripe on it. <laughs> Come on. But that's a, um, that's a, you know, and, and that's where that market, I think, is going to fall. Is the American manufacturers, they want to build trucks, 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 high-end cars, high-end cars, high-end cars. It seems like the American manufacturers want to leave the masses behind. And the Korean manufacturers, I certainly think the Chinese manufacturers and the Indian manufacturers will be happy to come in here and supply um, average Americans with transportation. It will happen quicker than you think. Uh, The Chinese already have cars. Now, I don't know that they meet the standards, the safety standards of the United States, but we know how that works. They'll get some kind of, uh, because people here, people in America want cars. Although, I read an interesting article this week that, uh, you know, I had seen whispers of this. Um, One thing that people, that is happening in automotive right now, and this is something that I think urban planners have been trying to design. And Nathan, I I really would like you to chime in on this because you're right in this group of people. But the the Brookings Institute put out a a paper this week that says that automobile access has mildly declined for young adults. Hmm. But the trend is that young adults are using cars less. Now, the thought among urban planners was that they would design like Bellevue. I mean, if you go to Bellevue, downtown Bellevue, that city now has been redesigned into a place where you can walk everywhere. You you know, you have apartments, you have businesses, work, this, that, the other thing, and there's ample transit so that you live on the other side of the freeway, you can get downtown pretty pretty quickly without using a car. Would you say that's a fair assessment? You're over there. Yeah, and also I want to bring in electric bikes. You know, most of those can hit 25, 30 miles per hour, which is just enough to get around on city streets without slowing down traffic. Right, And you could just right, take right. it home and bring it inside your apartment or house or whatever, charge it up and go out on it. The only problem is you don't have much luggage room to carry like groceries, but I do know they have like side bags or saddle bags and you can put things that you're purchasing into. Right. Or uh, like many people do now, you can call up, but uh, not call up, but type up Amazon or Uber Eats, and they'll deliver the groceries that you want to your house. Right. So you don't even have to carry it on the bike. You can scoot around. So this is something that urban planners for many. I mean, when I was a kid, 
I remember studying. I was a big, very, very, to quote our last president, I was very bigly into urban studies. I wanted to see what the cities of the future would look like. I was fascinated by it. Took classes. If I wasn't doing this, I probably would have wound up being an urban planner because it fascinated me so. And the one thing that they have been saying is that we are going to see cities where people will live by where they work. They'll walk to work. They'll have, uh, you know, maybe an autonomous car or a bus or something will be able to take them to where they work if they work a little too far to walk. Boom. Well, according to this paper from the Brookings Institute, it's coming through. It's actually going to happen. Uh. Let's see. Young adults are less likely to have access to a vehicle in their home and are less likely to have a driver's license. Now, at first glance, this might appear to be a win for the city planners and urbanists who have advocated for policies that reduce auto uh, auto dependence. However, that doesn't seem to be what's going on. It appears that um, congestion charging, reducing or removing minimum parking requirements, more pedestrian-friendly infrastructure has also been a part of it too. But the, the, the thing that this Brookings Institute found, because young adults have fewer driver's licenses than in the past and young adults are driving fewer miles than they did even in the 1990s is that they are economically being priced out of the market for a new car that economically with an average car payment um that's grown to a thousand dollars a month for a new car that they are saying, why? I don't need a car. If I can get here, 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 and here, I don't need a car. If I want a car to go somewhere, I can go um, uh, to uh, um, you know one of those car share services and, and, and use a car for a day or two days or rent a car for a vacation trip or do something like that and not have to bear the ownership cost of a car, which nowadays, again, uh, you know, can top $1,000 a month for people. And, you know, it's funny. I've told a story before. When I was 16 years old, the day that I turned 16 years old at 7 o'clock in the morning, I was standing at the door of the motor vehicle office to take my test. Uh, my daughter is going to be 31 years old and she doesn't have a driver's license. She doesn't need one. She, she lives in the city. She takes the bus or the train everywhere she goes when she has to go somewhere. And if she doesn't, and if she's got to take a long trip, either pop drives her or she gets a friend to drive her, but she doesn't. Um, she doesn't feel the need 
for a um, to have a driver's license anymore. And I found that I find that fascinating. I just find that something that we're gonna we're gonna look into a little bit more. I'm very interested in the phenomena because listen, we all know that that cars are um, I mean they represent America. But boy oh boy, these days it's let's see, the I mean people used to aspire to get their parents' cars, remember? They used to used to be like the first thing they would think about: get the car, get the car. When they when they got their driver's license, for more and more people, it's not going that way. It's going a very different way, and I think that um, it's something that auto manufacturers. It's something that statisticians. I think it's uh, something that people. Um, manufacturers especially have to take heed of. Can you give up? The, I, I mean, I guess basically the question I'm asking here is do you have somebody in your house like I do uh, that you thought was going to be a, you know, raging car nut and wound up not to be that way. Now my, my, my daughter likes cars. She loves cars. Um, you know, she she she's ridden in every kind of car that you can think of. She's you know, um, but as far as as far as her um, driving a car, she's not there yet. She probably will eventually get. Um, she probably will eventually get a car. I mean, I can see that day coming where she will, you know. Get her eventually get her license because I think as life goes on, you start to find out that you have to that you almost have to have a car, especially if you want to live out in the uh, the suburbs or something like that. But boy, oh boy, uh, the whole idea of the whole idea of auto ownership, I think, is going to turn on its uh, on its ear here if this Brookings report is true. So, with just five minutes left to, to go in the show, um, I don't know that we're going to have a, uh, a cartoon this morning. So, uh, because I've been a little uh, under the weather the last couple of days, so we I haven't had a, a big chance. And we actually had an interview scheduled this morning that we will uh, run for you next week with Jill Simonillo of... Uh, pickup truck uh, and SUV talk. Great interview. You know, Jill, she's one of our great guests. We'll run that interview on next week's show because, uh, you know, sometimes you, it, it's been, you know, let me, uh, let me be very honest with you. I've been having some interesting little medical problems and uh, they're on the end of getting straightened out, but, you know, they're taking a little longer than I expected. So we are, uh, we're doing our best to make sure that, uh, you know, that, uh, everything is going to work out. Okay. So if, uh, if I do seem a little whack at times, I guess, 
I'm going to blame it on the medicine. <laughs> because that's all we got in life, folks, is to blame it on the medicine. Uh, you know, quickly before we uh, before we go, you know, we only got a couple of minutes left here. And also next week, I'll have a, a great review for you on the Lexus um, 350 that I drove last week, which is a stunning car. Uh, a, a beautiful, beautiful car. We will get you a review on that. And also, if you go to Yo Vinny, what are you driving this week on Facebook? You can always find what I'm driving this week right there on Facebook and follow along because I, I put, um, you know, stuff in there about the car that I'm driving this week. Stuff that, I mean, by the time I get here on the radio show on a weekend, I may forget. Um, we also filmed our first feature this week. So I'm editing up right now for the new feature that we're going to have just off the exit where we're going to go up and down the highways and show you interesting things that are just off the exit of our beautiful highways here in Washington, places that you have passed a hundred times and never, probably never, ever stopped for a hamburger, for uh, an apple cider, uh, for so many different things. There's so many great things just off the exit. I'm a whack job. I, I drive up to like Skagit Valley. I take Route 9 or I take, you know, I take different routes so that I see what's out there and see what 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 this this place has to offer. And I've always written them down and always, always said, something I'm going to do something with this. Well, you know what? Someday is here. So next week we will pre we will uh, premiere uh, what I think is going to be uh, a great feature uh, on this show, uh, which will I think uh, give you uh, an idea of what's just off the exit. And we did a real good one for next week. Uh, so we'll edit that up and have it for you. And I'll be out shooting another one this week, and we'll have them, and we'll we'll make a special place on uh, on social media where you can go and find the just off the exits. I got this idea from a guy that used to do this down in the Bay Area. He didn't call it just off the exit; he called it Bay Area Backroads. Guy named Jerry Graham, uh, who was so good at letting people know about the quirky and different things in an area. And Jerry was a great guy, and I hope to pay tribute to him uh, with this little segment in our show. All right, that will do it for us this week. I thank you so much for uh, listening to our show, and we will catch up with you uh, next week at 8 o'clock in the morning. Much more organized, I, uh, I will tell you. And, of course, as always, thank you to Nathan for making this show work. And believe me, you don't know how much he did that this morning. Uh, to uh, Keith Slater, my sister, and uh, so many other people that make this show work uh, as well as it does every week, including George Jackson, who I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for George Jackson. All right? Have a good week. If uh, We'll see you next week if the Lord's will and the creek don't rise.